What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line on this trade deadline day, baby daddy, the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen, man. How you doing? Doing well. I'm uh, very excited to talk about these trades. It's been an insane day, as usual, on trade deadline day. It's, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Our banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Valia. How, how much did you enjoy this day, really? You know what? I think this was probably one of the better trade deadlines in the last couple of years. So uh, I'm all uh, I'm all happiness and I'm ready to talk about uh, these trades. Yeah, I don't think we had. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but there weren't any like crazy superstar trades in the past few years, right? You're putting us on the spot, but I'm I'm guaranteeing you there definitely were. No, not like superstars. Not like, like this. this. Is like... I, yeah, like. Uh, having a top 20 guy move or top 10 guy move or wherever you want to consider that fatty. I mean, the closest thing might have been Jimmy Butler when he forced his way out of uh, out of Minnesota, right? In the last few years? How about Westbrook for Chris Paul? Was that a deadline deal? That wasn't no, a deadline, that wasn't deal. deadline that was a summer no. deal. No, that was a summer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was summer. Or else I would have said Westbrook for John Wall. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fun. Let's get into it. The first trade that we're going to talk about, obviously, we got to start off at the top with the biggest news of the day. James Harden and my boy, former boy, Paul Millsap, heading to the 76ers for our beloved Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Raj, am I am I wrong, or is this just like a lot going back to the Nets right now, man? That's a, that's a lot of players going back for Millsap, who hasn't played all year, and... James Harden, who is apparently nursing a hamstring injury of some sort. Yeah, it is a lot. And I think the Nets needed depth and they clearly got um, some players that will help round out their roster. And uh, this was a trade that kind of really started to to make some noise in the last three or four days. And then there was the whole like Windhorse versus Woj about is there <laughs> something happening? Is there not? Um, but it happens. And Simmons finally makes a move. Um, and importantly, they got Seth Curry. Uh, they got a backup big and Drummond, who again, not defensively, but he'll be able to play some minutes uh, in the regular season and protect KD um, from playing kind of down in the post a bit. And I, I think the Sixers gave up a lot. Like obviously, you're getting a great player in Harden, a regular season player at least, but you're getting a 32 year old that you're gonna have to pay probably 45 to 50 million a year going forward over the next couple of years. You gave up your main, your best three-point shooter on your team, uh, and you gave up any depth you had behind in beat as well in Drummond. And on top of that, you gave up two first-round draft picks. Like, that's a lot uh, for a 32-year-old player who was probably going to leave in the summer. The other way to look at it, though, is Simmons wasn't playing, so they basically traded Curry plus first for Harden because they knew Simmons wasn't coming back. But I'm not going to go on that route because I am, you know, the resident James Harden hater, obviously. And I am not a fan of this deal for Philadelphia just because you're having to pay him for the next five years at, as you mentioned, probably 50 million plus per year. He's already opted into his contract next year. So I guess they might have a reprieve potentially if this doesn't work out, which it's not going to. And maybe they don't re-sign him after next year, but then they're just stuck, you know, because they can't replace... If he leaves again, hypothetically in the offseason next year, <laughs> he can't replace his money because they still have Tobias Harris on the books. 
and they're still going to be over the cap, I believe. Right. So, or close anyway, they're not going to be able to like open up another max slot based on the contracts that they're going to have to give out the Fiebel and maxi obviously as well. So if this doesn't work in the next year or two, it's just not going to work period. And plus again, you have to pay Harden for the next five years. So is it going to be worth it? In the end, no, because Harden always fails in the playoffs and Doc Rivers always fails in the playoffs. You combine those two guys together, what are you going to get? They don't make the playoffs. Failure. <laughs> oh, and two negatives that make a positive, Raj? Isn't that uh, that's how this works? I'm not sure if that's how uh, the NBA physics works. Um, and then you have obviously Harden, who people question him being in shape. And then you have Embiid, who, again, let's face it, has had injury concerns in the past. Uh, and those are basically your two players that if they're not on the court healthy in shape, uh, you're not going to even be able to push and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or push a team like the Nets or the the Miami Heat. Uh, and kind of lost in this trade is they just the fit. Like uh, obviously people are talking about long term how this is going to work for the Sixers. But right now, um, Harden doesn't have a good track record working with bigs. Um, and a lot of his game is having space to drive in and kicking it out to shooters. And Philly has kind of both problems. They have a big who wants to play inside and he's obviously very dominant in that. And they have no shooting. I mean, I wouldn't say they have no shooting, but just the parts around those guys don't exactly fit anymore. Cause he had Max, he was having, you know, a really good year, obviously in his second year. And now his game is going to be neutered because he's not going to have the ball pretty much at all. Tobias Harris has come on recently, having the ball in his hands more. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to do as much, obviously, too. So they're just going to have to adjust around Harden, which every team has to do. And they're also going to have to change. Like, the one thing nobody's really talked about is they're going to have to change their defensive style as well. Because Harden seems to only fit in, like, switching defenses because he's lazy as hell and doesn't want to trail the play if he's picked <laughs> off, if he's a perimeter guard. So if they do that, then you're just whole- opening up, like, a whole nother issue um for their defense and they're probably not gonna be able to start Thibel either because they need shooting around these guys and you're gonna be starting Danny Green who's gonna be the primary defender on all these guys in the Eastern Conference which is another <laughs> problem and then who's gonna guard Giannis like they're doing all this just to lose to Giannis in the end uh Tobias Harris is gonna guard Giannis duh <laughs> yeah good luck with that and the people that say Embiid is gonna guard him like that's oh happened God. in the past where we've seen no. Philadelphia go, you know, just pure one-on-one defense throughout the game. And now if you do that, Embiid doesn't have a backup, like in the year where they played the Raptors, where they went like minus 90 in the few minutes that he sat every game over the course of a seven-game series. And now Paul Millsap is your primary center behind Embiid. <laughs> then you have that problem. And you have to hope that Embiid can actually hold up for 38 minutes a game throughout the course of four series in the playoffs. Like it's just not going to work. Yeah, there's just too many questions. And going back to the trade itself, um, obviously losing losing Seth Curry was um, a piece that, again, that could have helped them with their shooting and spacing with Harden coming to their team. And I, I personally think that I know Thibault is a good defender and you need some defense, but I, I think keeping Seth Curry and, again, I'm not sure if this was an option, but I think if they were able to swap Curry for Thibault, I think it would have been a better trade for the Sixers. Uh, I don't know about that. I still want someone of Matisse Thibault's like stature to cover up for James Harden defensively, right? Like part of that is I get it. You want a lot as much shooting as you can around James Harden because that's 
That's what he does, right? Like, that's all we know James Harden from Houston to do. But realistically, we also know James Harden as, like, one of the worst defenders or the laziest defenders in the league. So I'm pretty sure you'd have to cover up for him at some point or another. Um, Man, I I don't understand this at all. Like, I know that we've all railed on James Harden being in shape, how he's not going to fit in with Embiid because Embiid needs the ball. Harden's not going to move. Josh, let me ask you, like, why Daryl Morey is still so obsessed with James Harden after all these years? I mean, he's he basically he asked out of Houston. Obviously, he show he no showed training camp, and then uh, let's let's just be real here. He tanked his way out of Houston, and then in Brooklyn this year, he mysteriously has these injuries. He basically signed up to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and it's probably a little salty that Kyrie hasn't been there for most of the year. Why do we think James Harden is going to be that guy that can, you know, bring it all together for this team, can be Embiid's, like, running mate in this? Why does Maury think that, rather? We don't think that, but why does Maury, why is that a thing? Well, as we know with Maury, his thought process is to bring in the stars first and then figure everything else out later. So I think that's the thought process here. But Harden's going to a market where, you know, besides maybe New York, if he fails in the playoffs this year, he is going to get absolutely destroyed by their fan base, especially if he doesn't play well, which he's not going to because he never plays well in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, who's to say that if that doesn't work out, then Harden is not going to want out again. And then again, like you said, put Philadelphia in this situation. It was only a year he was in Brooklyn and he already wanted out for what was the exact reason anyway, because Kyrie wasn't playing basketball, which made him do more and forced him into the role that he's been used to the last 10 years. I, I, yeah, I think like what kind of came out was, and again, this is all from reporters and spun in different ways, but I think the whole thing was he didn't like that his role on the team, not necessarily about him being the number one option, but the fact that Kyrie was in and out of the lineup, obviously KD got hurt and then he was expected to carry the team with KD being hurt and Kyrie being part-time. Um, and that wasn't, I guess, what he signed up for. And um, I think Harden, again, he good regular season player if you like watching free throws. But uh, Okay, so on that point, Philadelphia games from now onwards are going to be absolutely unwatchable because you have Embiid who goes to the free throw line 10 to 14 times a game. And, you know, some of those are Harden-type fouls, but now you have James Harden there, too. The two highest free-throw guys in the NBA playing on the same team. Ugh. And the ball is out of, out of Maxi's hands, which is the worst part of all of this. Maxi was coming into his own, man. Like, he started off the year really, like, a bit slow. Obviously, he's a second-year player. But this guy was, he's been flowing over the past couple of months, man. And you're going to just, like, halt his development for James Harden? Yeah, this is like a win now move, but like your window to win is like one year, really. Like it's this year. <laughs> and um like I think what they had going, obviously Tobias Harris's contract was a bit of a uh a, a difficult thing to move, but what they had going was if they kept Embiid, had Maxi, had Ty Bull, managed to keep Seth Curry, surround him with one or two other like young players or players that are going to continue to improve they could have had a bigger window to maybe have two finals appearances in like four years or whatnot but now this is just like win this year fuck it for the next year 
Yeah, and I mean, if they had better coaching, first of all, and then better <laughs> defensive players around these guys, like trustworthy defensive players, especially in the playoffs, then you could see them potentially making a deep run in the playoffs. But no matter what lineup they put out there, there's always going to be at least probably two holes on defense, right? Because obviously you have James Harden out there at all times. He's obviously a massive hole in your defense. And then if you bring in any of the shooters like Danny Green, Cork Moz, et cetera, even Maxi, like he's probably average on defense. Now he actually tries, but he's small. So, you know, if you have a guard that you have to guard in the playoffs, you're going to put Danny Green on him. Or if you put five ball in the game, then your offense is going to go to crap. So it just, even though they got the two superstar players now, I put superstar in quotation for Harden, especially now because he's really trailed off this year. But even if he does play up to his expectations, this team around them, I don't think is championship caliber. Okay, can we go to the other side of this trade and talk about the Brooklyn Nets getting uh, Ben Simmons, who hasn't played this year due to quote-unquote mental health issues, Seth Curry, who we all regard as one of the best shooters in the league, Andre Drummond, serviceable big man, who I feel like would get most of the minutes now ahead of LaMarcus Aldridge, and two future first-round picks. Uh, All in all, Josh, this seems like a pretty good deal, right? I mean, you get more spacing for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving whenever he plays. Hopefully Ben Simmons can come back. I'm assuming after the All-Star break, there's no way that he comes back in the next week. But if they get Ben Simmons at, at that type of defender and that type of facilitator, I mean, that's a that's a pretty sweet load for Brooklyn. Yeah, it is. But um, this year, they're pretty likely to be either, you know, in the six to eight range, I would say, just based on their remaining schedule. I think that they play a majority of their games at home. So if they play in the majority of the games at home, I think it's 19 out of 29 are at home. Um, then you're not going to have Kyrie for those games, obviously. And then, as you mentioned, Ben Simmons has to maintain his cover in that, you know, he has mental health problems, so he can't come back right away. Just so he can get paid from I, I know he's going to arbitration eventually with the 76ers over the money he didn't get paid out. So he's got to maintain that cover for a little while, make it seem like he's still going through something, even though he's not. And, uh, you know, Katie's out. So what do you have left the next couple of weeks? There's not much, but once these guys actually get together, I mean, if they are a five to eight seed and you have Kyrie playing the majority of games in a playoff series, then this is a pretty dangerous team, to be honest. I mean, they can go a lot of different ways. It's just... The only thing that I question is their closing lineup because you have most likely Joe Harris is out for the year just based on all the reporting. Yep. And uh, he's probably going to have to get a second um, surgery on his ankle. So then you're thinking Patty Mills, Curry, Irving, KD, and then Ben Simmons. That's a pretty small lineup. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on. Why are you assuming it's going to be Patty Mills and they don't put in a real big like Drummond or Marcus Aldridge? <laughs> I could see Aldridge too, but it depends who you're playing against, obviously, as well. But I, I like the versatility of having Ben Simmons and KD in the front court. It's just they don't have that like that wing player to put with them. I think if they did, then you'd be really looking at them like, damn, that's a tough team to play against. But even still, like having Patty Mills and Seth Curry, at least one of them on the court at all times with your superstar players, plus having Ben Simmons and KD as, you know, your wing types that can guard anywhere on the floor, it's a pretty good combination. It may take a year to actually work. And who knows what's going to happen with Kyrie next year, obviously. This year, I don't really see them going like too, too far in the playoffs, depending on what happens with Ben Simmons. And obviously, he's a 
bit of a choking artist in the playoffs, just like Harden. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just getting down to it. Like Milwaukee is going to win the East or or Miami, maybe. Yeah, I, well, no love for your Raptors. Okay, I see how this yeah. is. Yeah, no, not yet. Next year, maybe. I'm gonna completely take a different take on the the Nets. I, I think obviously they got good pieces for Harden. I I think their team, if healthy, would have been better with Harden on it. Uh, obviously, losing Joe Harris was big. Uh, I really do question their guard depth defensively. Having Kyrie, Patty Mills, and Seth Curry kind of as the three players that be playing in the backcourt primarily in the playoffs. Um, teams are going to exploit that um, and you can maybe hide one but having more than one of those players playing at the same time is tough and Ben Simmons for all his guard status he's really a forward um, and he'll probably play uh, more of a kind of a stretch for or kind of a more like of a Draymond Green role um, on this Nets team uh, the big Kind of question is, what can they get from those other players like Claxton um, and LaMarcus and Blake Griffin? Like if they're able to get at least somewhat of a consistent uh, output, then they could be a team to contend. But I really doubt that this Nets team is going to be able to push and make it to the Eastern Conference final, especially with their injury concerns. Um, And I, I personally think Unless there's a magical, which me and Josh had a little side bet going on, or we will, uh, I think they're going to lift restrictions and uh, Kyrie Irving will be able to play uh, in the playoffs in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, then all bets are off. And honestly, I'd probably take the Nets over the 76ers if I had to bet on who's going to make it further in the playoffs, just because KD, that's pretty much it. And, and Irving, obviously, too, if he actually plays in the games then I would definitely take the Nets. Assuming, like, moderately healthy players, right? Like, decent health as of right now kind of thing. Yeah, no for sure. No long-lasting injuries. And, you know, based on what's happening with KD right now, when can we expect him back? Like, a few weeks after the All-Star break, and then and that might be in the play-in situation. I mean, they're probably going to be in the play-in situation based on the health of their players right now. They're already in seventh place, and they're not going to have KD back for at least another few games at least, right? So... I don't know. I think they're going to be in the playing situation and you would think that they're probably going to win that. And then they're going to play one of the top seeds in the Eastern conference, which hopefully that will be Philadelphia in the first round, because that's what everybody wants to see. That would be great. Imagine. So you keep talking about like the nets in the next couple of weeks. Imagine watching a game right now of Seth Curry, Patty Mills, uh, Kessler Edwards, somebody else, James Bruce Johnson Brown. and Andre Drummond. Imagine that lineup. What, like, oh my God, I'd rather watch like the G League Trailblazers. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why they've lost eight in a row now, I think. Yeah, they're lost and nine the Trailblazers. Straight. And the yeah. Trailblazers are 1 0 in their past one against the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The newly found Trailblazers. All right, can we move on from this trade, or do you guys have anything else that you want to hit here? Uh, when does Ben Simmons play? Quick. I think he's going to play the game after the All-Star break. Uh, maybe a week at most, but yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be back the first game after the All-Star break. It'll give him time to get his mental right. It's tough, man. It's tough <laughs> getting shat on all year. Uh, I mean, he's he's going to a situation where like there's not nearly as much pressure, right? Because there's no Brooklyn fans out there. It's just the media that he has to contend with. Yeah, it's true. 
there, there are no actual fans. Let's move on. Uh, I, I guess we got this later in the day, but Kristaps Porzingis and a second-round pick are going to the Wizards in exchange for <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie and Spencer and sorry and Davis Bertans. And uh, according to Kendrick Perkins, this is great for the Dallas Mavericks because of Davis Bertans. <laughs> Josh, uh, what the hell? And why? Like, I mean, we've talked about KP a lot over the past couple of years, right? But can is he going to be what number two to Bradley Beal now, now? Now going forward, is that is that this plan in Washington here? I have no idea what Washington's doing. I guess they're just tanking the rest of the season. They might just sit him out the rest of the year because he's had that you know knee bruise now. And they don't have any guards either. Like they traded away all their guards today, obviously too, with Holiday leaving and Dinwiddie. Now the Beal's out. There's nobody replacing these guys. So I, I'm guessing they're just going to tank the rest of the year. But more <laughs> importantly, on Dallas's side of things, I mean, there was obviously rumors that they were shopping for Zingas and they were looking at other deals, and they decided on this one. So I guess you can look look at this from the perspective of um, you know sort of like the Westbrook deal, where you divide up one massive contract into a couple or in Westbrook's case four. Um, but in this case, it's only two guys and Dinwiddie's had a real down year. So Dallas is betting a lot on Dinwiddie fitting in really well with Luca and uh, them making that work. And he's going to be coming off the bench, I would assume, because you can't start all three guys because then your defense is going to really struggle. And that's been their staple the entire season. So with Dinwiddie coming off the bench as, um, you know, a scoring threat and a guy that can maybe play in some closing lineups, depending on who you're playing against. You're playing against a team with two small guards, and then you can play Luca at the three, even though he's really the primary ball handler. Um, then, yeah, I can see it. But trading for Bertans, I mean, he's got, I think, four years left, right? At $18 million. And he might actually be a good, pretty good, like regular season player because he's going to get a lot of open looks, obviously, but he's unplayable in the playoffs. So he might look okay for a little while, but come playoff time, it's just a useless contract, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to add. I don't know what the Mavericks are doing. <laughs> um, like KP clearly wasn't in the long-term plans for the Mavericks. Um, but the fact that this is the best that they could get for him just kind of shows that his value has plummeted uh, in his time in Dallas. Um, like just looking at Washington's roster, obviously getting Spencer Dinwiddie, it's a trial. Like, uh, like we'll, we'll see where it goes, but, um, you also have to question why they weren't maybe. Wait, wait, hold to... on, hold on. What do you mean by trial? He's got three years left. No, but I meant like, they can see where this goes. Like, I don't know what the other offers were. Like, this is, I guess the best they could get, uh, like this is the best that KP could net them, but I would have loved to see if they could have got like KCP instead. Um, if they could have had to maybe throw in another second round pick, um, just cause I think KCP is a better fit than Spencer Dimwitty cause Spencer Dimwitty again, needs the ball in his hand to be productive as we saw in Brooklyn and they already have Luca. They're probably going to have to sign Jalen Brunson and there's just not enough ball then to go around and KCP is more of a defensive shooting, uh, guard, um, just kind of gives you a bit more depth at that two position. Um, so it, it just shows you, I think for Dallas, this just shows you how bad the, uh, the Chris Stapps experience went that he got traded really for two bad contracts or yeah, two bad contracts and a trial of Spencer Dimwitty. Like we know, we don't know, maybe it works out okay. And the Dallas Mavericks end up winning this trade, but, uh, it's more likely that this is kind of a lose, lose for both teams, but 
they just wanted to move on from that contract. Yeah, and uh, with Dinwiddie, I, I can definitely see it working. I mean, he had the one year in Brooklyn where he shot around 33, 34% from three, and he should get a lot of open looks in this, this offense that's totally guard-dominated. And Dallas did need some more ball handling, you know, just in case one of those guys gets injured, obviously. You're only going to have one point guard left. And in the playoffs, you need ball handling off the bench as well. You need more guys that can score the ball, which Dinwiddie can do. It's just he hasn't been efficient at all this year. So they're placing a big bet on him coming into a good situation with good players and then excelling in that type of role where he's going to be the sixth man coming off the bench. And again, it could work. It could definitely work. But, um, you know, just looking for the results from this year. And he's been injury prone, too. I mean, I don't know. It's a tough one. But um, if Chris Stapps is not even playing, I guess you're getting a player who actually is playing the games right now. So that's a plus. How long has Chris Stapps been out for? A couple of weeks? Yeah, he's been out for at least two weeks now, and he's missed, I think, at least 40% of the games this year. Ankle? Knee. No, he's what? got a knee. Knee bruise. Oh, a knee. And and again, they, they saw that they couldn't rely on him in the playoffs, and uh, the fit with Luka, like, just in terms of his role in the team wasn't going to work. So, again, they had to move that contract. They got something back in return. Now, is it really... A good return. I, I I think it's just like you have you trade an injury prone player and you take a risk on what you're getting back. Oh man! On top of that, the Wizards also sent out uh, your boy Raj. Montrez Harrell is gone. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about Charlotte uh, getting a big, and this is probably not the big that we wanted them to get. <laughs> um, but you know what? To the moon. They just don't want to play any defense. I guess when you're running a team of Lamelo Ball and. Um, kind of running. Well, they traded Ishmith back to the Washington Wizards. Um, but uh, when you're running a team that's really like run and gun, you don't want to play defense. So we'll see how this experiment goes. Uh, here he'll put up stats, but again, defensively, he's a huge liability, and like you can't rely on him to guard another team center. Oh, this is absolutely correct. But I I was leading into this as, uh, you know, Ishmith is finally returning back to Washington, Josh, and that's. We loves awesome Ish Smith. He is their point guard now. Ish Smith, the point guard of the future, the present and the future for the Washington Wizards. Yeah, Yay. big big tank move right there. Huge tank move for Washington. I mean, good move for their future. I mean, they're sort of the Portland of the East, right? To where they have their <laughs> star player who's down, and they're going to try to tank the rest of the year, come back, have a top five and ten pick in the draft, maybe even have some cap space. And then you try to rebuild around these guys that they probably shouldn't try to be building around. <laughs> Do they offer Bradley Beal the, uh, the super extension here? I mean, you sort of have to, right? Someone of his caliber, yeah. scoring leader last year, obviously not this year. He's having a down year, but do you just throw him the bag? I think you do. Give him the Brinks truck? I mean, at I this point, it seems like they're going in that direction since they didn't trade him at the deadline. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, the right move, but I think it's a Washington move. <laughs> that's very oh, nice yeah. of you all right let's let's move on uh this one i think caught all of us by surprise when it happened the kings traded tyrese halliburton buddy healed and our favorite canadian not tristan thompson to the indiana pacers in exchange for demontis Sabonis, jeremy lamb and justin holiday naturally when this happened we all thought what the hell Tyrese Halliburton was literally given the keys to the Kings all year. He ran point more than De'Aaron Fox did, which was absolutely incredible. 
And to sell him for DeMontis Sabonis was questionable, to say the least. Right, Josh? Like, Sabonis, a guy who's been in the league for five years. Halliburton, second year in. Shoots 40% from three. You know, all signs are leading. Or all signs are pointing up for Halliburton. And then that first game from DeMontis Sabonis with an offense structured around him may have changed some minds. I mean, I'm I might be buying in on this Kings team right now with Sabonis and Fox, man. No. <laughs> I'm not buying it at all. It's just okay. a typical Kings move. I like I like Sabonis and everything too. It's just based on the situation of what they did. Like if they were a contending team and Sabonis is the last piece, great. If you're like a really good young team and Sabonis is a guy that can take you from being the sixth or seventh seed up to being like the third seed and give you a shot, at least in the playoffs, then great. But they essentially just did this to make the play-in game. And like the team control thing is an issue with them now, right? Because the bonus is two years left. And then he becomes unrestricted, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so who's to say you even keep him after that point? Like who wants to stay in Sacramento, especially being a losing team? And then you had Halliburton, who was under your control for another at least five or six years based on his contract extension that'd be coming up in a couple of years. But beyond that, like in terms of like contract value, it's it's pretty even overall because Sabonis is actually a really good player and he's 25 years old. It's just based on the King's situation, the, the move just didn't make any sense. If you're trading Fox for him, it makes a lot more sense because Fox is um, a little bit older than Halliburton. He's still young, obviously, but he's got the big contract. And he's the guy, you know, where if you lose him and he's having a down year as well, and you put Halliburton with Sabonis, for example, then you have a better outlook because at least, you know, you've seen Halliburton run the point for you and he's averaging 10 assists a game. And you have a probably a better future in that situation because you have more flexibility to actually move around with. And uh, this is just a typical Kings move. And, you know, for Indiana, they've rebuilt pretty quickly, honestly. Raj, tell him, tell him why Sabonis is the best thing that happened to the Kings since uh, Vladi Divac is there. <laughs> yeah, maybe Chris Webber. But uh, I'm actually going <laughs> to, like, again, like not even to be contrarian, but I, I looked at this trade and I, I agreed with Josh that I was surprised that they moved like Halliburton. Um, but ultimately, I, I think they knew that they needed to make a move to, to improve their roster because having Fox and Halliburton uh, and Buddy Yield, like that... That combination of guards with Mitchell coming in as well as their new rookie, it just wasn't going to work. Um, and I would argue that keeping Halliburton over Fox, probably long term for most teams, would have been the right play. But I think having Sabonis and Fox is probably a better one-two pick and roll combination than Halliburton and Sabonis. Um, just because, like, I think we're kind of disrespecting Fox a little. He's obviously been on a bad team, good stats. He put up 25 and 7 in his fourth year in the NBA. Uh, and that's without having really reliable structure around him. Like fucking Luke Walton was his coach. And like, he was playing with Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, no disrespect <laughs> to any of these players, but like these players, <laughs> but disrespect to Luke Walton. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's just let him have it. But um, he, he just wasn't playing with a dominant big man and having a pick and roll with his kind of speed. Uh, I, I'm interested to see. Uh, I do agree that, like financially they would have had Halliburton's rights for the next four or five years. And Fox obviously just got paid. Um, but ultimately I think Sabonis wants to get paid. Like if you're able to offer him the most money and it's working great. If, if 
you realize that it's not working in two years and you don't want to pay him, you can you can try to sign him sign and trade, um, or you can try to sign, trade him at the deadline for another piece. Uh, and you know what? Again, I'm not agreeing with the Kings' outlook. I think overall their roster is a mess. Um, and their real goal is to make the like playoffs. Like that is their NBA championship. Like most teams are like maybe conference finals or the finals. That would be nice, but like them playoffs. So you know what? If that's their goal, this is a move to get them there. Uh, and they got rid of two guards that weren't going to work in their system. I think that they're seeing this as the Chicago situation from last year too, where they traded for Vucevic. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, at least they have those two pieces now with Levine and Vucevic. And then you can add on to that. Which maybe it works out that way. Maybe they get two guys in the offseason, but it's Sacramento. They're not it's not gonna happen. It's not Chicago, you know? It's not a big market. And it's just not gonna work out because it is the Sacramento Kings. You mean there's not a DeMar DeRozan out there to come save them the rest of the way? <laughs> maybe uh I don't even know who's who would be like that quality of a free agent this up this upcoming year, you know what I mean? Like someone that can take them to the next step. James Harden if they want to make the playoffs. Not Ooh. do well in the playoffs, but just make it. Ooh, now we're talking. James <laughs> Harden forces his way out of Brooklyn only to go to Sacramento afterwards. Oh, and that would be a that'd be a wild move. No, there's not enough strip clubs in Sacramento for James Harden. Yeah, that is true. true. I hope there's enough in Philadelphia. I'm I'm not too sure about this the setup, but uh, I don't know, man. The Kings. I mean, they were involved in another trade that four teamer. They got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. They basically got rid of Marvin Bagley. So, I mean, they won a trade. They won a trade, lost a trade. You know? Yeah. The other yeah, thing with I don't the... want to say they lost a bonus trade, but like they didn't come out way ahead. No. Another thing that, if you're looking at the roster from a broader perspective, they have no three point shooting on this roster, right? You have Harrison Barnes who's shooting no, around. Jeremy Lamb. You really want to play Jeremy Lamb 24 plus minutes a game? Ugh. Hey, hey, you as a Raptors fan should know the the devastating nature of Jeremy Lamb's three-point shooting. Yeah, I mean, if you're shooting half-court shots against your team, especially if it's the Raptors, then you Only game worry. winners, too. Yes. Only game winners. Yes. Multiple. Yeah, but, uh, you know, in their backcourt, <laughs> um, Darren Fox has shot, I think, 28% or something like that from three-point line this year. Dante DiVincenzo shooting like 0%. Um, so, you know, you have Harrison Barnes and you basically have nobody else. They're, start, they're starting Shemeze Metu, who's been good in spurts, I guess, this year. He's not a starting player, though. And then, you know, Mitchell coming off the bench has played well recently, but then you're going to be super small in the backcourt. It just, this roster right now doesn't work. But again, I think they're hoping that in the offseason, they can build a roster around these two guys and maybe get a third piece. And then you have Barnes, but they decided not to trade. And then maybe you're going into next year with a half decent roster that might get the eighth seed. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. They could be like they uh, could be a play-in. Yeah, easily. I think that maybe they're trying to do something like Minnesota over the past few years, right? Like you got your big in Sabonis. Minnesota has Cat. You have your point guard in De'Aaron Fox, whereas Minnesota had Anthony Edwards. Obviously, I'm not calling them the same player, but. You know, that kind of structure, right? And then you just get a bunch of like defensive dogs around them. It couldn't it couldn't be the worst idea in the world. Like it's not like the Minnesota Timberwolves have like a great organization behind them either, right? So I mean, as a Kings fan, I mean I would be semi optimistic about this group. I wouldn't be completely down on Jaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. I don't know, man. It's it's not it's not that bad. I don't I think you're underrating them, Josh. 
Okay, in terms of one-two punches, where do you think they rank in the NBA? It's definitely in the bottom 15 for sure. Yeah, I I, I think they there are a lot of better one-two punches in the NBA. Um, if you go down the West, you can probably name a lot of better uh, one-two punches but and in the East. But again, this is like they got rid of – they had a, a surplus of guards – um, and eventually there's always going to be one or two odd men out and they traded it for at least a big and they got rid of Bagley as well. That experiment completely failed. Um, I'm still a fan. Well, he's yeah. going to excel in Detroit, man, under Dwayne Casey. Just watch. We'll see how many minutes he Marvin plays. Bagley. He's always injured, though. Bagley Island. Let's go. <laughs> I'm still I'm there, man. I'm there. Uh, can we move on, please? I want to talk about uh, the New Orleans Pelicans making a major move, pulling in CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. Who, you know, who cares about the last two? But CJ McCollum, mainly CJ McCollum, to pair with Zion and Brandon Ingram. But in exchange, you had to give up Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who got traded again, uh, and some draft picks. I'm not going to go through the details. It doesn't matter. The main parts are Josh Hart and Nah in exchange for CJ and Larry Nance. CJ, Zion, and Brandon Ingram. Could be a pretty good offensive trio if, you know, Zion ever came back to the league. Yeah, this is all hypothetical. This is all hypothetical because if Zion doesn't play, then you just have a very middling team, especially going into next year. But you would think next year Zion's going to come back. He's going to want to get his massive contract extension, which he might get anyway, even if he doesn't play again. Oh, he will. He will. Yeah. 100% he will. So, I mean, if you're looking into the future and you have those three guys together, and you can develop guys like Herbert Jones and, uh, you know, Jackson Hayes, and you have some defensive versatility with those guys, then you sort of got something. And, uh, you know, I sort of like CJ as a lead guard, because when he has played lead guard, he's played really well. And when he actually is healthy, he's put up some great stats the last couple of years. And he's been super efficient overall. And he's been shooting a lot more threes and mid-range shots as well. And he'll be a really good fit around Zion to create more spacing. I think long-term, the Ingram Zion fit may not be, uh, you know, um, something that you want to go into the next five to 10 years with. I'm not sure if they really fit together, but you can figure that part out afterwards. So you see what you have next year. They're going to be a really good offensive team. Um, but again, defensively, you got to figure some things out. CJ brought them, like won them that game seven against Denver to bring them to the conference finals, right? Like CJ ain't no scrub. If they sold CJ at, in 20 what is that 2019 at the peak of his powers like at his optimal value that guy could have pulled you back like top 10 top 15 value obviously now like he's dealt with injuries but even like i frankly think it's a success story that he's even playing this year with his lung issue so i mean cj's an animal anyone who doesn't think that cj can get go out there and get buckets in any situation is crazy you watch that dude's tapes and he has one of the smoothest jumpers in, in the league and a mid-range animal, which, you know, the league has come back with this year, apparently. Right, Raj? Yeah, well, DeMar DeRozan's bringing it back. Um, but I look at this trade, again, I think New Orleans gave up pieces for a, a good player. Again, I, I, I do question the fit a bit. I think they have uh, Devontae Graham still and McCullum in their backcourt. Um, cares about Devontae Graham, man? But... The, but, Come like, on. defensively, this team is not good. Oh, totally agree. <laughs> and uh, and there's a huge question mark about Zion. Like, I know we're hoping that he comes back eventually. We don't know this year, next year. But 
Again, like defensively, who is their best defensive player? Jones. Or top two defensive? Jones and Herbert. Will they? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jackson Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I he don't has... know if he's a good defender, but he jumps. <laughs> like again, th- there's just there's a lot of question marks defensively about this team, and um, I I think especially in the backcourt, like CJ went with Dame and him and they had a great few years in Portland they uh had some strong runs um but they were always limited about about their defensive backcourt or limited by their defensive backcourt and the same situations happening in New Orleans and this is not a knock on him but their problem wasn't offense it was having the right pieces around Ingram and Zion and he's a good player on his own and he's better than the sum of the parts that they gave up but does he fit I don't know if Zion is as good as people think he is and he plays as well as he did last year and he comes back next year and plays that same sort of style where he's averaging 28 points a game and he has a wrecking ball and he shows, um, you know, the playmaking skills that he showed at Duke and then partially last year as well, where he's averaging, you know, four or five assists a game. I think the only spot you really need to look at is uh, center. And I think the mistake that they made before was trading for first Steven Adams and then trading for Valanchunas when they should have been trading for Miles Turner. So I think if they were able to somehow pull that off and get a, a center like Turner or just get Turner period, because Indiana looks like they're rebuilding right now and he doesn't really fit their timeline. I think that you really have something because then you'd have Herbert Jones on the perimeter and then you have Miles Turner in the paint to cover up for Zion and also stay at the three point line and give him space. So I think that's a spot they're going to have to really look at in the future not right now, obviously, but next year you're going to have both Zion and JV in the paint. And then defensively, they're going to have probably four positions where you're just a minus. So I think they're not <laughs> an upgrade at center. Sure. Remember when JV was uh, the best three point shooter in the league, like two months ago, what happened to that? He's still shooting it well, to be honest, but um, he hasn't been at the same production level, obviously, but yeah, this team, if they stay as is, they're going to average like 120 points a game next year. So they'll be fun to watch at least. And they'll still, they'll probably like be in the playoff race at least. And even this year, like they're going to yeah. make the 10th seed over the Kings. <laughs> I don't know about that. I oh, don't know man. about that. Yeah, something shots at my Kings. Come on. I would man. bet on it. Give me the Pelicans. I'll take that bet. I'll take that. All right. we'll, we'll, we'll throw something down, Josh. Right. Maybe, uh, maybe a pizza. Ooh, pizza. Yeah. Okay, I'm down. I'm down. Um, yeah, I am hungry. Nice friendly wager. Yeah, something easy, you know. Um, on the other hand, the Portland Trailblazers have sold basically everything that they had in terms of current assets. Um, they traded CJ McCollum, Nance Snell in this trade. In another trade, they got rid of Norman Powell uh, and somebody else. Who was in? The, who else? Robert was in Covington. Oh, Robert Covington. You're right. Um, so basically, from their core, there's only. Dame Lillard, who I guarantee will not play again this year, and Yusuf Nurkic. Those are the only guys that, of like the major names, are still stuck around in Portland. So, complete rebuild. And you know what? I'm happy with it. I think it's time that uh, Portland finally did something that wasn't like the same thing over and over again. It obviously <laughs> sucks that we lose out on this Dame and CJ pairing. Obviously, they were best friends and blah, 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 blah. But you know, sometimes your your off your not your offensive, but your basketball talents don't mesh to winning. You know what I mean? See, I don't think you can call it a complete rebuild when they didn't trade Damian Lillard, right? And they didn't trade Nurkic yeah, either. You're right. 
So fine, fine. You're right. My question for both mostly, of you, mostly rebuild. Yeah, like this. This season is obviously a wash for them. So I, I see them as like you know the 1998 Spurs, where you're like sitting out your best player in order to get a top pick in the draft, have some cap space, rebuild your team potentially, or are they trying to basically force Dame's hand by you know getting rid of, rid of all the talent around him, and then basically making him the bad guy so they can finally trade him and not feel bad about it and not have the city go against their management. So which way are they going? Because if they're going to sign Simons in the offseason, obviously to a contract extension. And then I don't think they can come back with both of them because then you have the same issue as you did before. And Simons is even smaller than McCollum. So you can't have both those guys playing in the backcourt together. So it seems like they're trending towards the first option where they're going to force Dame's hand and then trade him for as much as you can get. And then go into a full rebuild. But what do you guys think will happen? Will they trade Simons eventually in the offseason and then build around Lillard with a top pick in the draft? So you so you think it's a game of chicken between management and Dame and Dame Lillard. I do. Because what else are you gonna do? You either have, you have to trade one of those guys. You either have to yeah. try to rebuild a playoff team quickly around Lillard and the top pick in the draft. And then they have a lot of cap space now, I think, too, now since they've basically sold off their entire team. Yep. But you still have to re-sign Nurkic, which I'm assuming they're planning on doing since they kept them. So maybe that leans you towards thinking that they are going to try to build a playoff team around uh, Lillard next year. Raj, what do you think? Uh, I think they're going to try to get some return for Dame Lillard in the offseason. I think everything points to a complete rebuild. I, I really think the fact that Philly got Harden kind of makes them in a... That puts them in a tough position because what team is going to offer them a lot of assets knowing that they're in a rebuild, knowing that Dame's coming off an injury, knowing that he's not going to want to go play on a team where they're winning 18, 25 games a year. Um, so I, I personally think they're going to try to trade him in the offseason, go with Simons, um, probably take a few draft picks, a few young players on good contracts. And uh, and then build their team, and they they probably will be um, in a better position than Sacramento. Truth be told, in a couple of years, but uh, I I don't think Dame Willard's going to end up playing again for the Blazers. Ooh, what if you ship him off to Sacramento for Fox, younger player, more athletic, better defensively, and then Sacramento has a pick and pop or a pick and roll combination of Lillard and Sabonis. Yeah, but Lillard wants to win. That's the 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 diff, like the main. Now who cares what Lillard wants, man? Once you send him to that contract, you can do whatever you want with him. That's the beauty of management. Also, I feel like they can get a lot more than Fox in a return for Lillard too. Well, Fox and whatever like Barnes. Yeah, whatever they throw in. <laughs> Rashawn Holmes, you know, whatever. But that's the thing, though. What like how many teams need a an older shoot first point guard? Realistically, right? Like contending teams or teams that are. One or two pieces away from winning. The Lakers. Who actually needs that? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you'd have to find... I mean, that's kind of true. You'd have to find a contending team that's like on the precipice of becoming, you know, elite. Which, there's not a lot of teams like that right yeah. now. Well, Clippers? And the interesting team would be Utah. Yeah, I was going to say the Jazz, too. Ooh. Ooh. Lillard and uh, Mitchell? That would be nice. Move Conley? Yeah, just they, they don't have anything to give up, though, right? It have to be like a three-team yeah. deal, and even then, it wouldn't make any sense. But we're getting off track here, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
they're gonna have to do something in the offseason yep. to decide between the two and what direction they're going in. I think ultimately you're probably right in that they're probably gonna choose Simons and then try to get as much as you yep. can for Lillard. I also uh I've been hearing rumblings, obviously, through other much more plugged in sources, but this could all just be moves so that Jody Allen can sell the trail or just move them to Seattle. She's originally <laughs> Seattle native. Uh Seattle's redone their stadiums. You know, the, the contract for the Moda Center where Portland plays right now is up in two or three years. So if you just fire sale your team and reduce salaries, that's a that's a quick way to get an easy sale for other people, right? So keep that in mind, Raj. The Supersonics might be coming back sooner than you think. And we will be happy about it, won't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that was hilarious. For sure. Uh, the Clippers, on the other hand, are definitely preparing for the next couple of years. They got Norman Powell out of that trade, got Robert Covington, that, since you guys already talked about it, and they oddly pulled in Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale in that four-team trade I alluded to earlier, got rid of Serge Ibaka's bum ass. I'm happy with that. I mean, he's old and broken. He doesn't really belong on this Clippers team. But these guys going forward next year, they have like all the prototypical role player wings that you could want on a team to go with Kawhi and PG, right? Like, that's, that's a nice setup. If they get, like, one good big, like, one athletic big, I'm I'm really in on this Clippers team next year. Yeah, this is, like, uh, one, one team really um, collecting one of the most valuable positions in the NBA and having an embarrassment of riches. Um, I don't think they're going to end up keeping all of these players until the end of next season, but... Having players like Norman Powell, Robert Covington, obviously Kawhi should be back, PG, they're going to have Reggie Jackson, um, they have Luke Kennard. Like they have a lot of players that are comfortable playing with the ball that can, they won't really create necessarily, but um, they can score um, obviously with PG, Kawhi, and even Covington to a lesser degree because he's a skeleton of himself. Like you have good defensive wings. <laughs> Um, and they're really embracing this small ball lineup. Um, and I, I really think that what they're doing is collecting these pieces. And then next year at the trade deadline, when they have an injury come up or when they have a need or when there's a player that's available, they can use one of these assets and trade for a piece that they need. And again, good on them for especially getting involved um, uh, with the uh with the deal to get rid of Sergi Baca, because again, he just doesn't fit their timeline. Um, he's a very specific type of player, and I don't think he fits into what they were doing. And again, picking up Norm Powell for uh, Eric Bledsoe is highway robbery. Uh, if you ask me, I think that was probably one of the most lopsided trades. Um, obviously, Norm Powell has a few years, but he's a positive asset. And next year at the trade deadline, you could probably move him for something. Yeah, I don't think that's their plan going forward. They're going to move them, obviously. But yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that the Clippers have is a rich owner because there's almost no teams in the NBA that can pull off this type of deal and the owner would sign off on it because they're already so far in the luxury tax. A lot of these owners would say, get rid of Marcus Morris, get rid of Luke Kennard. Let's try to get the luxury bill down as long, you know, as far as we can because then the repeater tax comes into play if you, uh, you know, in luxury tax multiple years in a row. That's even more money. But Ballmer, you know, he owns the world. So he's able to say, you know what? <laughs> we have a guy who's expiring in Bledsoe. Let's turn him into something better for the next few years, even though we're going to take on more money, which is going to lead me to pay hundreds of millions of dollars more 
who cares? Because next year we're going to be loaded once Kawhi and PG come back. And when they do, you have your closing five in the playoffs. I mean, you got, you know, Marcus Morris, you have uh, Norman Powell, those two guys. And then you can choose a guy like could be Terrence Mann, obviously. Um, they have a lot of dudes off the bench right now that can step in and uh, Reggie Jackson. Amir Coffey could be your point guard. Not actually, yeah. but you know, you get my, you get what I'm they saying. They just have a lot of guys, and uh, yeah, they're versatile. Yeah, and I mean, going back to Serge though, I think he's going to have a resurgence in Milwaukee when he's playing a very specific type of role, and he's not playing a lot of minutes because I don't think Brook Lopez is going to come back based on what we've seen so far and this type of move too. With them moving a young player for a guy like Serge Ibaka, it seems like they're pretty desperate for a center. But I think if he's only playing 20 minutes a game and they just tell him to go out there to protect the rim and hit some threes, I think he's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, if they have like a senior citizens discount for the Bucks, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be he'll be great, Josh. And they wear scarves in Milwaukee, so we're good. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the next trade I want to hit real quickly: the Boston Celtics, who are extremely hot right now after we've, you know, been shitting on them for like, basically all year. They run like. They've won, what, seven, eight games in a row right now? Uh, they acquired another good wing, Derek White, in exchange for uh, J- Josh Richardson, my bad, Romeo Langford, and a first-round pick. And to go with that, they also pulled in Daniel Tice, who they apparently traded away last trade deadline, hilariously, in exchange for Dennis Schroeder. So, the Celtics got a little bit deeper. Derek White, a serviceable point guard, can actually move the ball, which is uh, pretty much what they need. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this trade for the Celtics. I've been a Derek White fan forever, and he provides pretty much exactly what they were looking for, like a lead guard who has playoff experience, who can do a bit of everything. And even though he's shooting 31% from three or something along those lines this year, he's not the type of guy that's going to be you know a 20-plus per game score that can create his own offense on a bad team and take them from bad to average. So I think if you put him in a role where he's like, you know, third or fourth guy in offense and he's handling the ball some, but also off the ball, which he can do both pretty well. I think you're going to see those percentages go up and defensively, he's really good. So you're going to have either him or smart or both of them on the court at all times, defending, you know, the league's best point guards, league's best small guards. And I think that's pretty huge for them. And they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs now. I mean, they have their rotation. They have guys that they can trust going in the lineup. I think the biggest thing for them recently was they decided to go to a very short rotation. They're only playing eight guys. And now you have your eight guys. You got White coming off the bench with Tice and Grant Williams. And that's going to be your guys in the playoffs. And, you know, Yudoka trusts those guys. And he has experience with Derek White, too, being from San Antonio. So I just, I like this, I like this move. Yeah, what's not to like? They basically got rid of a bunch of dead wood on their team. They got under the 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 luxury tax and uh, they improved the player, the players that are actually going to play meaningful minutes on, on the court. Um, obviously last year, I think there was, they, not I think they got rid of Daniel Tyson. That really looked like a move to get under the luxury tax. Uh, when they shipped him off to uh, Chicago, but like basically they got in, they got brought in Daniel Tice and Derek White and got rid of Dennis Schroeder, who wasn't going to resign with them. He's clearly looking for a big contract. Ennis Freedom, who again defensive liability. Bruno Fernando never touches the court. 
Um, Josh Richardson, who was just a flyer, like a player that wouldn't play many minutes. Romeo Langford, which again, um, was a player that they drafted, had higher hopes, wasn't going to play significant minutes for them going forward. And they brought in two players that are going to play for them. Like this was a good trade deadline for, um, uh, oh my God, not Dave Smart. What am I trying to think of? Dave uh, Smart, <laughs> shout, out, shout out Carleton University basketball. Whoa. Brad Stevens, yeah. Brad Stevens. Trying to think of like the most of... white name, right? Yes, exactly. Dave, Dave Smart. Oh my yeah, yeah. goodness. Woo. Yeah, Ottawa Guardsman, but, what up? Yeah, but uh, and and also they got rid of Bull Bull and PJ Dozier, which again Dozier could have been a good player, but getting under the bill, so they've they've really reduced their kind of dead wood on their bench. At the same time, though, I'm not a big fan of the Tice move. Like, he played well for them the last couple of years, but he still has two years after this year. And the third year after that is a team option, which they're probably going to decline. And, you know, you're just better off playing Horford as a backup center and is starting Grant Williams, which they still haven't done yet, which is odd. Yeah, but, but again, they like Daniel Tice is better than Bull Bull, PJ Dozier, who, again, just wouldn't play. Romeo Lanford. Yeah, but they traded um, Schroeder for and him. And his freedom. Yeah, but Schroeder was not going to stay long term. And if you if you brought in Derek White, there goes Schroeder's role. No, for sure. I just don't feel like paying a backup center nine million dollars a year for the next couple of years is advantageous. You know, I feel like they could have got something for Schroeder. He was making five million dollars a year, something along those lines, right? You think a team that was yeah. contending, like even Milwaukee, there's rumors about Milwaukee training Divincenzo for him. That would have been a great deal for Boston. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Probably was a better deal, but uh, I just think that uh, about all the players they got rid of probably equal the salary you're going to end up playing Tice, but at least you could possibly ta- play Tice in a playoff game. Like, you can't play Ennis Freedom uh, in a playoff game. Realistically, you're not playing Al Horford either, so... I mean, Tice you possibly is, could. is a better backup. You no, could. Yo, Horford's going to play, like, 20 minutes as a backup? I know he plays, but, like, he's not very effective when he's on the floor anymore. No, but they're also playing him with power forward too, which again, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you have Grant Williams, who's the best three-point shooter from the corner in the NBA. And Okay, let's uh, come on. It's no, true. No, we're not doing this. Stats don't lie. Men this. lie, women Who's, lie, stats yeah, don't. And, and how many people are going to be passing him the ball in the corner? Exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's not Derek Jalen Brown so or Jason Tatum. It's going to be Marcus Smart and Derek White doing it whenever they get the ball every like fourth possession. Come on, man. No, but, uh, you know, back to Boston in general, though, like they've they've become a really good defensive team. The last 10, 15 games, Robert Williams is actually playing the role that they expected. And again, I think depending on the matchup in the first round, I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs now. And they might be a higher seed than the Nets based on how they're how they're rolling right now and that they're actually healthy. So based on the matchup, I would love to see them play um, Philadelphia in the first round. That'd be a lot of fun. Philly's going to be fun whoever they play. Like It's going to be awful for us to watch, but it'll be mm. fun. Um, let's stay in the Northeast and our beloved hometown Raptors for all the locals here have finally moved off of the Goran Dragic contract. How exciting, guys. Uh, Goran Dragic and a first-round pick off to San Antonio. In exchange for Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, who has already been cut, and a second-round pick. I mean, this has to be a glorious day for all Raptors fans, getting rid of this guy who didn't want to be here, right, Josh? 
mean, it's a, it's no? a pretty... Is it a glorious day to bring in Tadeus Young? <sighs> I've looked at it from many different angles. One of the best names in the league. Yeah. Fadjik Johnson. <laughs> As, uh, exactly, man. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, man. I mean, Thaddeus played really well last year when he actually got the minutes in Chicago. He looked really good. And then this year, he's put on a tanking team that is trying to showcase some of their players, obviously, and didn't really play him much. But, you know, you're basically moving 10 spots down in the draft because the Raptors are going to be around 20th-ish in the first round. And you have Detroit's second round pick, which is going to be very high, obviously. You're moving around 10 to 15 spots in the draft and you get Thaddeus Young, who is a good veteran player who can, you know, mentor some of the guys, especially like guys like Precious to chew off the bench, even Scotty Barnes, show him a few things. And he's going to get minutes. It's just, I thought there was going to be another move after this to get some sort of guard um, in order to ensure that Fred Van Lee doesn't collapse and die on the court before the playoffs. No, man, real, real ballers leave it all on the court. Yeah. You live and die on the court, Josh. He might already be dead. Exactly. I mean, he's already been ruled out today with a groin injury, <laughs> which worries me. Anytime you hear groin or hamstring, it's going to be a problem. But um, no, my man. hope right now fine. is that Dennis Schroeder gets bought out by the Houston Rockets, which might happen. And then... He will, 100%. Hmm? He will. He's going to get bought out, man. There's no way the Rockets are going to keep Dennis Schroeder. He's on well, a... Why would he's... you even bother? He he's on a two million dollar probably left in on his contract. He's gonna play minutes. He he wants to showcase. He's he's probably gonna play pretty hard. It's not like the Rockets have anything to play for. No, but they want to lose. They, like see, what they are they gaining? Right? They're gonna lose no, fine should... without him. It's not like <laughs> oh my god, Dennis Schroeder, our team's fortunes are reversed. Like <laughs> come on, like. They're... They're gonna lose for You're right. No, they want to get themselves they, a better they chance just... of losing, though, right? So getting rid of him would help that, right? They should just have him sit on the bench with John Wall. Just collect a <laughs> bunch of point guards that don't play. I don't think that's gonna happen. He's gonna play. He's gonna play, and he's gonna be fine. But yeah, I really hope he gets bought <laughs> out. And then Toronto's like the one team that would be like an absolute perfect fit, since he'd actually get minutes on a, on our team and showcase himself in the playoffs. So hopefully that happens. Uh yeah, I think the the shame for the Raptors is looking what Derek White went for. He could have been a piece that the Raptors could have picked up. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's still, again, you said that he can play off the ball, with the ball. He can do a bit of everything. He's pretty reliable. Yeah, but he doesn't really fit the timeline, yeah. though, right? Like, we're not really, truly trying to win right away. And he's making $18 million a year, whereas Boston's trying to win. It's that. So... I like Derek. I love Derek White's game and everything, but I don't think he'd fit as like a guy who's playing maybe no. twenty minutes a game off the bench, and you're paying him eighteen million dollars a year. He has a better chance of playing a lot more in Boston. Yeah, but uh, like uh, if if you just look at kind of the possible trade, I know the Raptors got Thaddeus Young, which I think is a, a like you mentioned a good pickup. I think for the Raptors, they just want to get rid of. Goran Dragic because he kind of took advantage of the situation. He basically made it known that he didn't want to play for the Raptors. It was lackluster in his seven appearances. Uh, and then obviously at his own personal issues, which again um, are besides the fact. Um, but every team in the NBA knew that the Raptors weren't going to keep him, that he was probably going to go to buyout after this. And the Raptors are like, well, we, we don't want him to sit and rot on our bench. We'd rather pay a player and at least have some kind of impact on our team. And again, Thaddeus Young could teach the young players something. The one thing with Derek White is he did also come from San Antonio. And if, for instance, if the Raptors attached um, or like loosen the the protections on the pick 
Um, they could have got Derek White. I don't know if you're right. Like, is he a long-term play? Probably not. But again, he he's not making a crazy amount of money and you're going to pay Thaddeus Young this year. And I think he has only two more years after that. Now, Thaddeus Young is expiring. No, I meant Derek White is too. Oh, yeah, I think that goes to what uh, Bobby Webster said in his um, press conference afterwards and that they had some options, but there were certain guys on like longer term deals where they just didn't want to take on the contracts for a certain amount of years. So I think they would have taken on a guy that was like uh, making 10 to $20 million for this year and next. But I think beyond that, they want to keep their cap sheet pretty clean. And, you know, they're going to have to Fair extend enough. Fred Van Vliet in a year or so. Right. And then you got Scotty Barnes yeah. extension coming up in a couple of years. So I get why they did this. I mean, you know, they have Thaddeus Young's rights too. If they decide to resign him in the off season, he'll be a good pickup. And, uh, but again, the, the thing that sort of mystifies me is that he's playing a position where they already have two guys that are playing around 20 minutes a game. And those are the only two guys that come off the bench for them and they need a guard. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're missing the whole point, Josh. Thaddeus Young is gonna play point guard <laughs> yes. above Malachi yeah. Flynn. Let's let's be I real here. It. It's gonna be a true six six and up lineup. Okay, you just gotta let it ride, and it'll be great. It'll be entertaining for I all mean, of they them. Ha- let it happen. They Josh. have played some lineups where they have zero shooting in it, and it's super fun to watch. <laughs> they just throw the ball at the rim. <laughs> it's amazing. Four guys go after it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's like watching pure athleticism on the court. Why wouldn't you want to Slam watch ball, this? Slam ball, right in real life. <laughs> Slam ball. <laughs> yeah, they're using the Raptors trampoline mm-hmm. under the court. All right, let's let's wrap it up here, guys. Um, winners, losers, quick points. Give me something. Give me some quick, Raj. What do you have? Uh, should I steal Josh's thunder or let him have his moment? Because I'll I'll defer to him. Okay. All right. So prediction time. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are not making out of the first round. I think that no matter what matchup they get, they're going to face like Brooklyn or somebody really tough in the first round and something wrong, something bad is going to happen to them. And then they're going to say, oh, and it wasn't James's fault like usual. And then next year is going to be the true flame out. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. I can't wait for it. We'll be here to watch it. Uh, for me, it's wow. going to be a true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's got to be... One trade that we didn't talk about, I'm surprised Josh didn't mention this, but I'm not going to talk about Torrey Craig and the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to talk about Karis LeVert um, getting traded. Uh, I think he's a good piece for the Cavs, and I think the Cavs will win their first round matchup as long as they're not the seventh or eighth seed. Well, I mean, it, as long as the Cavs are not the seventh or eighth yeah, seed? Yeah, at this point, it's yeah. very unlikely they'll fall uh, that far, especially since they've won so many games without Garland, too. And now he's back in the fold. Um, you know, that move, though, just quickly, um, I wasn't a huge fan of it because, I don't know, Levert is he's basically like Colin Sexton, but a little bit taller, but way less efficient. So I understand why they did it because they need another ball handler in the playoffs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they only have him for another year, so I guess it works out. But overall, like, I just don't like the fit there just because I don't know if he's any good. Yeah, but what do they give up? They got gave up a guy with one ACL, uh, a lottery protected first, and that's about it. Yeah, they give up nothing on this gamble. So, like overall, it's definitely a win for Cleveland, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh man, that was, you guys are are we actually doing predictions? Because if that's the case, 
The Sacramento Kings, baby. Get, let's get to that opt. Let's get to that play-in game. Let's do it. Are they going to make the playoffs? Let's go, Vivek. Are they going to make the playoffs? Oh, man. That means they have to beat either uh, <laughs> the, Lakers, the Nuggets, the, Lakers. the Clippers, the, yeah, the Lakers, the Timberwolves. Uh, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I don't know about that part, but actually, no, no, no. If they can, if they match up with the Clippers in the play-in, they got this. Are you crazy? What, oh man? What? Yo, I'm, I'm a Sabonis fan. He's a great coach. Uh, uh, you're off your rocker. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna. Just, I'm just drinking the Kool Aid, man. Yeah, I'm drinking that purple Kool Aid. Peter's gonna remove his hoodie and have a Sabonis jersey. Already, Kings. Yo, that'd be sick. <laughs> yeah. No, but low-key, though, the uh, the Kings actually have, like, one of the best, like, jerseys in the league. It'd be, it's a shame that they suck as an organization, <laughs> but they're, like, the color schemes are dope, That's man. true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, See? On, just one more shout-out to the Kings, because I guess we never give them any kind of attention or love. Um, if you really love, want We to... give them lots of... We shit on them a lot, but... Yeah, no but love. we give no love. Yeah. But the... If you want to have... If you're having a bad day rough weekend just drop into the uh king's reddit and uh just see how much of a mess it is and it's basically a dumpster lit on fire with like a nuclear bomb there waiting to explode (laughs) i like it why why not i don't blame the fans i mean you trade a guard who's in his second year for a win now move when your team is absolute trash i mean come on there's a reason why teams don't trade these didn't types I, of guards in their in the rookie contract right didn't i tell you guys like three or four weeks ago that the kings were going to do all they could to get into the play-in tournament this is indicative of what the kings do at like year after year this is exactly what harrison barnes was giving him that big ass contract you know what I mean? The kings are the kings. I love it. They never get and they never get not. value for guys that are actually valuable in the trade market when they need to, when they're at like their highest points. Like they could have got something for like at least a couple items for Harrison Barnes. Like whether it's the first round pick and a player or whatever. Plus, Rashawn Holmes is not going to play any minutes anymore. And he'd be really valuable to certain yeah. teams like Toronto, Charlotte, etc. And he didn't get it moved. Yeah. Like, what's the point? Yeah. He's on a good contract, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. On the other hand, I'm very happy that the Buddy Heald to the Lakers trade never happened this offseason because then we wouldn't have this. And we wouldn't have Westbrook destroying the Lakers or the Lakers destroying the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers didn't make a move in the the trade season, so that's interesting. Yeah, I I think we have two kind of dramas. We have the West Coast drama, um, which is now currently ongoing. It's like in the peak of the season. It's like uh, the Lakers, obviously. And then we have this renewed drama uh starring out of philadelphia that's going to be opening up its first season or whatnot uh when Embi- like look at all those personalities we have maury we have harden we have Embiid, and doc rivers all of those characters returning back to your favorite drama oh my god can you this is the nba i love it man i love it this is an, a very entertaining trade deadline much better than i thought we would get also uh year. One more prediction uh, quickly. I was looking at um, possible Lillard destinations. The one that makes the most sense by far has been talked about a lot, obviously. The Knicks. It's the Knicks. It's going to happen. Boom. Guaranteed. 100%. I, I cannot wait for it to happen. It's going to be excellent. RJ Barrett? Probably. 
in the trade. Barrett yeah. and That'll be great. some salary and some picks. Oh God, no, not not Randall, man. Just keep that guy out of here. Jesus. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Hit us those. Hit us with those five star reviews on Spotify and Apple. Leave us those good comments, especially if you just love shitting on the 76ers like we do. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.